Welcome to the Band Library Podcast. You can find us at bandlibrary.com, Twitter at bandlibrary, and wherever else librarians congregate. My name is S.D. Harker, librarian and writer. You can find me on Twitter at bandwriter. You want to help out the library? Well, become a friend of the library over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash bandlibrary, where we got... Somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 and some posts, I don't know, I never counted them. They go back all the way where me and my friend used to just sit there and gab about random bullshit. Have some of our friends on and talk about random bullshit. Then we did some scripted stuff for a little while. It's just all on there before I actually started doing what we're doing right now, which is talking about movies and books and all kind of stuff. And... Well, it's been an interesting week at the library. Of course, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, it's Banned Books Week. Now, normally, I'd do a big book. I'd parcel it out, but I don't know. Been having a little bit of issues lately. Patricia, our new... I guess she's a page. She takes books up into the shelves and then just sort of comes back with an empty cart, so I don't know if she's shelving them or just piling them off into corners, but I don't go up and look, and, well, people who go off into those shelves sometimes, I'm just surprised she comes back, that's all I'm saying. Brenda, Brenda's having some issues, Dave from IT is having a lot of fun, they had all those books that were wrapped up in paper, you know, like, data mystery book, or whatever bullshit that banned books thing, it just has like, you know, like a paper bag over it, written on there, and like, People don't want to read me because I have profanity and sexual situations and I fucked a flamingo. You know, little stuff like that. Weird, esoteric stuff that's in the books. Reasons it was banned. That kind of thing. So I got profanity. I say fuck a lot. I did have to stop her from writing the N-word and the the other F-word on there. That just seemed inappropriate. Didn't seem quite right. You know what I mean? But yeah. So, that display has been good. Dave from IT, he's been doing okay with the website. There's been a little bit of hiccups. Something around, I get these notices from Google saying, Hey, something's too big or the text is too small. And I look at it and I'm like, that looks fucking fine. And I run it through Google's thing again. They're like, yeah, it's fucking fine. I don't know what the hell is going on with that. But if you ever see anything wrong with the website... Tell your mom, because I'm pretty sure she'd give a shit. Otherwise, just happy the thing's up there and delivering you people these lovely words that I'm speaking right now. So, what am I doing? If I'm not doing the big band book thing like I used to do, I think last year I did Gone with the Wind, all ten episodes, split that book up, read it, rushed myself to death. Well, this time, like I said, there's been all the craziness at the library, plus... And I had a little bit of depression issues. I'm sure you all understand that at some point or another. I am going to be doing Grapes of Wrath here probably next week, as soon as I get that book read and get all the research done on it. But right now, I want to do something easy, but I want to do something special. And so I'm doing a movie. And if you've clicked on this, you probably saw the title, and you already know that we're doing 2015's Fifty Shades of Grey. If you go back, we did the book, 
about three years ago or some change, somewhere in there, I read that fucking thing. And I talked about it. And I went on length about how shitty it is. So when I looked on the list of banned movies that I have and saw Fifty Shades of Grey on there, well, hell. Nothing wrong with watching a slutty movie. (laughs) I'm not here to slut shame. A sexy movie. Erotic fiction. Whatever the hell you want to call it. A movie that wanted to be good. You could sort of tell. And all the history I did on it, the people behind the movie wanted it to be good. The only person that seemed to not want it to be good is the person with the most creative control, E.L. James herself, the author of the original book. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a whole lot of movies that have benefited, and movie adaptations of novels, that have benefited from the author coming in and saying anything whatsoever. I can't think of one. Not even a little bit. There are authors that, of course, are more cinematic in their movie presence. And their movies are closer to the books. The best ones are closer to the books. Elmore Leonard springs to mind. Get Shorty out of sight. Those are excellent fucking adaptations. Spot on with the tone and the dialogue. But that's because Elmore Leonard was a master of tone and dialogue. He was not E.L. James, basically a fan fiction writer who got elevated. Nothing wrong with that. If you want to write your shit, write your shit. Go nuts. There's a reason those latter seasons of Game of Thrones weren't that great. Didn't have books to go on. Didn't have that good, rich history by an author who actually knew what the hell they were talking about and had actually worked in film before. But I don't want to get too far into it. We're actually going to talk about the director, because I've already talked about E.L. James, and I don't really care to talk about her anymore. Sam Taylor Johnson was picked to direct this film over a bunch of other people. I think they even asked Angelina Jolie to direct this film. I'm not even sure if she has directed a film, but whatever. They did try to get an all-female uh, production crew behind it, which is admirable. I'm great behind that. The writer and the director were both female-led, even though... Apparently, Brett Easton Ellis, if you don't know that jackass, he's got an okay podcast where he talks about random shit if you're okay listening to people that think they're too smart to talk about shit. But you listen to this, so hey, maybe you do. I mean, he's controversial and he's kind of an asshole, but, you know, sometimes that's fun to listen to, as long as they don't run for president. But he wanted to write one of the scripts, but they were like, eh, we're going to do female only. So they brought in Sam Taylor Johnson to direct. Now, she was born Samantha Taylor Wood in Croydon, London, 1967. After her parents' divorce, her sister, her half-brother, and her mom lived in an old schoolhouse in Jarvis Brook in East Sussex. In the early 1990s, she began exhibiting photography shows, led to full video works. She became famous with exhibits around London, including, including a photo mural around London department store Suffrages? Suffrages? While it was being, the basically the store was being like restored, they were, you know, doing work on it. So they had all the scaffolding, and they were like, "Yeah, oh, that looks like shit." It's hired this awesome artist, photographer, to put the shit around it, like on big banners. And she also did a photo shoot of David Beckham 
Beckham when he was sleeping. And some men crying. There's another series. I didn't get too deep into what these are. In 2009, she released Nowhere Boy, a biopic of John Lennon's childhood. Her first directing effort, and it received really positive reviews. 2011, she directed R.E.M. music video, Umberland. And then she did various opera installations, exhibits on film, you know, just a bunch of interesting, arty kind of things. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. And then she was picked in 2015 to direct, well, she's picked before that, but to direct Fifty Shades of Grey, based on the book by the same name. The movie, let's delve into its back history a little bit. Universal Pictures and Focus Features, which kind of hurt me to see Focus Features. Usually that's a fun, independent thing. You usually see something interesting. I guess this is interesting, but there you are. They secure the rights to the trilogy. There's three books in there, and if you want me to read all three books, well, you damn sure better subscribe to that Patreon for $1 a month. Because I'm not reading it until I hit, I think it was the goal of 50 patrons on there or something, I can't remember. And yeah, American Psycho writer Brett Easton Ellis uh, expressed desire, but Kelly Marcel was a screenwriter for Saving Mrs. Mr. Banks. She was hired for the job. The budget for the movie is about $40 million. Now, E.L. James wanted uh, Pattinson, whatever the fuck his name is, the guy that they wanted to be Batman, because... Well, this was Twilight fanfic, and if you're going to do Twilight fanfic, you might as well get the guy who played the Twilight, or whatever the hell his name was. Robert Pattinson. But he was like, no. I don't want to do that shit again. So they hired Charlie Hunnam. Hunnam? Uh, Sons of Anarchy. He's the main guy on that. He was also in Pacific Rim, a couple others. But he dropped out due to the shooting schedule. Apparently, he would have to go from, like, Fifty Shades of Grey set to the Sons of Anarchy set and back and forth, and it just wasn't going to work for him. So they hired Jamie Dornham, uh, some guy. I didn't really look up what he'd done. And Dakota Johnson, who has carved out a really good name for herself. I really liked her in last year in um, Bad Times at the El Royale. She's really good. And the daughter of Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson, which kind of surprised me when I started looking. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. She's got that sort of... You know, swagger, acting prowess kind of thing. She's pretty good. Both of them fairly good as far as I know. It was filmed after a bunch of delays. It was supposed to start in like September and then got pushed back to December 2013 and finished filming February 2014. It was released a year later. Took them a year to get this pile of shit together and released February 13th, 2015. Friday the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. Yes, of course, that was not a coincidence. They got an R rating based on strong sexual content here in the States, although Kelly Marcel apparently expected it to get an NC-17. She wrote it, actually, as a really hardcore. They had to cut some of her scenes out, and apparently that first shooting draft was very non-linear with things coming and going from different types. It sounds really freaking interesting, but again, creative control was given to E.L. James. Uh, it negative reviews across the board, but it made money, so they made the other two movies. Many advocacy groups say that the film encouraged abuse to women because he's abusive to women. There are wrong BDSM um, practices, bondage, sadomasochistic, all that kind of stuff. Apparently, they are completely wrong with most of the stuff that happens in here, and they talk about it. 
which since that's the main draw, it's kind of big. And it sits at a hearty 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, our director, Sam Taylor Johnson, decided to not come back because of she just didn't want to work with E.L. James anymore. She said, quote, I can never say I regret it because that would finish me off. With the benefit of hindsight, would I go through it again? Of course I wouldn't. I'd be mad. Unquote. And like I said, there's two sequels, Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed, and I'm not going to watch them without a severe money backing. Because <laughs> this took a while to go through. This is a two hour and five minute, at least on the copy I had, two hour and five minute long goddamn movie that just drags at points. You can definitely tell an author was sitting there going, oh, you have to have this little bit in. This bit's important to their relationship. And I'm sitting there looking at the Seattle skyline and half of these weird-ass establishing shots because it was filmed in, like, Vancouver, British Columbia or some shit. And, yeah, I just... I don't know. Nothing about this seems real. Nothing seems... There's a couple of scenes that are pretty good. I'll point those out because we're going to dive into this bad boy. So we start out. We have our character, Christian Grey. He's getting up in the morning, getting his shit together. We see his whole fucking routine where he's picking out ties and other shit. Apparently, this is not in the book. I don't really remember what's in the book or not, so if I look it up, apparently this is in the side cool, whatever the fuck you want to call that, that's from his point of view, because E.L. James wrote those, and they sold money. But we see his whole morning. He's getting up, he's jogging, he's putting on clothes, he's eating bullshit food. And we see her walking out of a classroom. Is it morning? No. Do we need... Why are we cutting back and forth? Does he wake up in the mid-afternoon? Does he wake up way after she's in class? I don't know. But the timing all seems weird, and she's putting her hair up in a ponytail because she's a messy girl. And we meet her and her roommate, and she's going to interview this guy, this Christian Gray, because her roommate is sick, And it's a class paper, and he never gives interviews. But he's doing it this time because the story wouldn't continue if he didn't. So she goes in, and there's all these beautiful fucking people and everything. And she walks in his playing and busts her ass, and she says, Anastasia Steele, that's you, or whatever she says his name. And I bust out laughing. Because it's one thing to read the words Anastasia Steele, as a character name on a book. It's a whole other thing to have a human being actually say them as if they're a real thing that people actually have. That is the most ridiculous fucking name I've ever heard. A modern... I don't know. I actually would ask you to put down on Twitter somewhere, at me, more crazy-ass names, real names that you know of, because it's fucking weird-sounding. Christian Grey, that's not too bad. But Anastasia Steele, who the fuck would write that? And then my next note just basically says, someone rewrote this? Because it was a book. Well, apparently, here's the thing. Kelly Marcel, she wrote Saving Mr. Banks. She actually wrote Venom, the Tom Hardy movie that just came out with a big goopy red black superhero, whatever. Black goop. Yeah, he she wrote it. She wrote this nonlinear, kind of cool, super sexy thing. And writer E.L. James says, I liked it, 
but she needs more faithful adaptation. So, and somehow in kind contractually, because I guess the people that are writing contracts thought she was fucking JK Rowling or something. So they gave her some say and she basically busted up that whole thing. And about 50% of the is not her, not the original screenwriter's work. It's the L James's work, which if you want to blame one person on this movie, I blame her. Blame the whole goddamn thing. It was her fanfic. It was her movie. It's all about her. I don't blame these actors. I don't blame uh, the director or the screenwriter. I don't blame any of it. I blame all of it on Yale James. That's what we're saying here through. So they go through their interview. It's fucking fine. She goes to work at the hardware store. And then he shows up. The hardware store. And this really creepy scene where he makes her buy all this bondage gear. And we're like, hoo tee he He's buying bondage gear for her. And she's like, there's a creepy guy that just showed up in my fucking... She lives in Portland. It's like 90 miles away. He drove 90 miles. Dressed down. He's not in his like... He's in hardware appropriate attire. Which means he had to plan his goddamn day. To come down here, find out where she worked. How did he do that? I don't even know how to do that. And my whole field is information. Anastasia's stealing my ass. So yeah. And I'm pretty sure when he asks for masking tape, she gives him fucking duct tape, which would really upset anybody who you try to tie up with. And then they all get together and he doesn't do the girlfriend thing. Which is a wonderful fucking quote. She goes out drinking and somehow has his number. I don't remember how. Maybe he gave her a card so she programmed it, even though this is supposed to be 2015, I assume. It never gives us a card saying this is early 2000s. This is supposed to be present day, 2013, 2014. iPhones exist. All this other shit exists. He program- She programmed his number into her little shitty phone. And when they go out drinking because it's graduation day or whatever, she fucking drunk dials his ass and was like, hey. You know, I don't like you. Fuck you. He's like, you're drunk. Let me come pick you up. And then he calls her back after she hangs up. And then he comes and finds her, picks her up, just as she's being kind of creeped on by her friend Jose, who then exits the picture, except for a little bit later when they have to do a photo shoot or something. I don't remember exactly what. But yeah. So she almost gets assaulted. And then she meets the creeper of her life. This is almost one of those situations where you think Christian maybe paid the guy to hit up on her. It's one of those like sitcom plots where a guy pays his friend to rob him, you know, so he can look impressive and in front of his girlfriend to chase off this guy. Except then he really gets robbed. Maybe Jose got paid to hit on her at this exact moment. It's very convenient. Yeah, then they go on a date and there's a helicopter and Again, he keeps saying her fucking name and it's creeping me out. Anastasia. As if she's a some kind of princess or some crazy shit. And he takes her back to his house. Oh yeah, and I didn't mention the creepy part where he took her drunk ass home after she vomited all over the place, undressed her, shoved her in his bed, and then slept next to her, then got up before she did and went running without waking her ass up. Been pretty drunk in my life. There's been a couple times where I don't remember a whole lot, but goddamn it, I think I'd remember if somebody tried to strip me solid. Yeah, anyway, they're on a helicopter date, and they go to his house. And he says, this is my game room. And there's actually a funny line with, oh, like an Xbox. Dakota Johnson, she does really nail the ingenue kind of look to it. It's really kind of works for her. She's very sweet, but also got sort of a wryness to her. I like her. I don't know. 
him, I could take her leave. It was like a block of wood was telling me shit, telling me he wanted to fuck me. I don't know. It's very strange. So they go over the contract and she's like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to hit you. I kind of want to. She's like, oh, well, what would I get out of this? And he said, me. And right in my notes, I just wrote, fucking run, girl. Anybody who says, you get me out of this bargain while I get to hit you. That's, that's fucked up. It's a really fucked up relationship. I mean, when they're the prize, again, this is, there's a really good article that I wrote about how this is indoctrination and it's very cult-like. I highly recommend you find it. I didn't write down what it is, goddammit. But yeah, just Google Fifty Shades of Grey cult. And there's a whole listing of how he's indoctrinating her and he's the prize. And once she gets the prize, oh no, he's a broken prize. He has to stay away. And then, you know, it's, it's very creepy. And then comes the best scene of acting ever when she says, he's like, well, you know, I want to I hit you. And she's like, I don't know if I want to be hit. And he's like, well, it's just easy. You know, have you ever like, you know, been having sex and somebody did something and you like, you kind of liked, you know, pull your hair and knocked you around a little bit, slapped you a little bit. And she's like, yeah, I've never had sex. And this is the best acting ever when he goes, really? And it's just like, you can almost see how predatory he is right there. He just looks fucking, I'm not even mentioning him getting super turned on when she bites her lip because that's some holdover from Twilight shit. And you can go back on where I talked about Twilight for that bullshit. Probably where the TV, where I talked about this fucking book too. But anyway, I watched this movie, so I'm going to fucking talk about it. So yeah, uh, he's like, you've never been had sex before? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, about time. And he goes and fucks her, pretty much. Very little foreplay, very little getting into it. Although, I will say, during every sex scene in this, her nipples are very hard. And mom, if you're listening to this episode, you can just turn that shit right off right now. Because <laughs> we're getting into some shit. And then once they wake up after a whole night and day of, you know, just boning down. Who shows up but his mom? Never met any of his girlfriends before. She just happens to walk in, says there's 15 fucking girlfriends before her, before Anna. I'm going to call her Anna. We're friends, you know. I'm not her creepy stalker, so Anastasia's out. He's had 15 girls in this apartment before. Never slept with any of them. Never, he boned down, he never made love with any of them, whatever. They never physically slept unconscious next to them. But they were around. And mom apparently has no problem coming in. She has no problem like blowing right past his security. And she's never met another girlfriend before. That's some crazy bullshit. But anyway, they're happy. And then they start getting talking about, hey, you know, what, what's up with this whole, uh, you know, hidden girls thing? And he's like, well, my mom was fucked up. So I started fucking one of my mom's friends. Or my stepmom, whatever the hell this woman is. Started having sex with her friends when I was 15. And that's red flag number like 1205 or some shit. Because who the fuck, who the fuck in their right mind, A, admits to boning down with your mom's friend in a sadomasochistic relationship when you're 15 years old. That's illegal for everyone involved. He was her submissive. Of course he was her submissive. He was a fucking 15 year old idiot. You can high-five all you want over that bullshit, you know, frat bro, but that's fucking creepy. So anyway, after all that shit, and it just rolls with it, oh, that's cool. 
again, are they emailing, texting in this? He keeps saying email, but then they have text bubbles come up because I've never had an email conversation go back and forth with just one or two lines. Email some shit you compose. You don't just fucking send that shit like a regular old ass text message. And I, again, I don't know when this movie's supposed to be set. If it's supposed to be true to life the way E.L. James, or true to the book the way E.L. James wants it, it's fucking set, you know, a couple years before this, 2008-ish, 9-ish, somewhere in there. I don't know when this fucking book was written. Because they all had Blackberries or something. At least they fucking gave them iPhones, but then they had them email each other back and forth like fucking cavemen. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But yeah. She says some bullshit through their email conversation about how she's, it was really nice having fun or having sex or whatever the fuck. So he breaks in her apartment and fucks her. And this is the point where I really started noticing they have safe sex. That's good. They have condoms. It's shown that he's putting the condoms on. It is super creepy the way he rips them open with his teeth and spits them across the fucking room like he's goddamn shooting a cherry pit or some shit. It's fucking creepy. You can be responsible without being fucking creepy and everything this guy does is fucking creepy. But after this bone down session where he basically just, you know, rapes her and shows her what being tied up feels like, he puts her fucking hand or his tie on her. And then they have a business meeting. Basically, they're going to go over the contract. It's very businesslike. Actually, this is probably the best scene in the movie. The one Dakota Johnson apparently said was her favorite because it's a fun back and forth. It's not sexy, but it is. It's very 1940s sort of playing back and forth where they're going over the terms of relationship, you know, anal fisting, strike that, you know, all that. It's very cute, very back and forth until she asks what a butt plug is, which I don't know if anybody else follows Honest Trailers, but there's a Honest Trailers of this where they basically make a movie trailer, but then the guy just talks over it no matter what. And it's basically like it's a plug for your butt. It's not really hard to really go into. And we've already seen she can do Googling. So you can use a fucking... He bought her a... I think by now he's bought her a fucking uh, laptop that she can Google shit on. Butt plugs, pretty easy. Five seconds on Reddit and you see like eight butt plugs. Which is what it is. But the whole scene in general, outside of that little nitpick, is pretty funny. It's, It's really nice. And then comes her graduation day. It's really nice. And this is where I got really confused because on the podium it just said Vancouver. And I was like, what the fuck are they? Do they film this in like British Columbia, Vancouver and forgot? No. Outside Portland, Oregon, there's a fucking University of Washington, Vancouver. Except I didn't see any of the University of Washington shit. Maybe I wasn't looking for it. Maybe I was half asleep by now. I don't know what the fuck was going on. But everything just said Vancouver and I got confused. I'm sure everybody else was enthralled by his fucking speech because he's the commencement speaker at her graduation because why not i didn't give a shit and then of course he comes in and meets her dad and then makes her day you know her graduation day pretty much all about her his dick and when are we gonna fuck she's like i want to kind of party and hang out with my friends you creepy 27 year old billionaire and he's like yeah yeah, yeah. cool 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 you want to do it in the bathroom right now it's just really fucked up and weird I wrote something down that says fake news, friends in paper. Which I'm not really sure what that means. Oh, wait, yeah. He sees a picture of them in the paper or some shit. I don't know. It's just dumb. And then they go eat 
dinner with his family. And I know I'm just ending this to death, but that's mostly what I do here. So whatever. He's really possessive and weird in this. Her friend, her roommate is dating his brother. They seem fucking charming and happy as all shit. And she claims that you're changing me. He's got, he's like, what on? Wait, she claims that he's changing her. Like, oh, you're making me into this sex crazed BDSM addict. Or whatever. He didn't, she didn't really say that, but that's sort of what she means. You know, you're opening my term, my world and I don't know if I enjoy it. But then she's like, hey, you know, while I'm complaining that you're changing me, why won't you let me really like touch you or, you know, why don't I, we don't have boundaries in this relationship. Why can't I just fuck your shit up? Why can't I touch all your burns and stuff on you? Why can't I just wait for you to tell me this information rather? Why don't you just tell me right now? Just break it all down. Let's, who needs boundaries? Who needs a wall between us? Just break all that down. But don't, I don't want to change. But I want you to change for me. That's really fucking healthy on all of them. At least in the book here, he tries to fuck her. Because something she does, I don't remember. And she just finally says, because he won't change, but makes her change or something, this dysfunctional fuck up. She goes down off to Georgia to meet her mom and hang out. And there's again this weird jealousy that he exhibits when she's not around to the point where, you know, they're constantly having to be in contact. They're constantly being in going. And finally, he just shows up and takes her on a fucking plane ride or whatever. And it's supposed to be all romantic and shit. But again, it's fucking creepy. He followed her across the goddamn continent when she said she just wanted to have some time to herself. Why can't we have that? And then, of course. We get back. Shit goes sour. He's been in contact with his ex-dominatrix pedophile lady. So this whole time it's been sunny in Seattle. It's been nice. But now that it's time to get sad, it's time to cry. And it rains. (laughs) Oh God. This is right when everyone else, blah, blah, blah. She goes and basically says... Hey, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. And she, he's like, but what about sex? And he's like, and she's like, yeah, whatever. And she goes to leave. And their last lines are their names. Anna. Christian. At least he doesn't call her Anastasia. That's That fits. What the director wanted to do here, what the writer, the screenwriter, professional screenwriter wanted to do here, is have her say the safe word, which I haven't even talked about, but they basically have a very rudimentary safe word. Green, you know, go ahead, do whatever you want to do. Yellow, and let's slow down a bit. And red, fucking full stop, let's not. And she was supposed to say, or the director and the screenwriter wanted her to say, red. You know, full stop. But E.L. James, apparently, and there's a hissy fit about this whole thing, made him... Just say each other's names. And it's really fucking boring and anticlimactic and it just dies. Because nobody in this relationship has any control over each other. And it's fucked up and it's weird and it's broken. And that's where we're going to end. I'll talk about it being banned a little bit. Cambodia, of course, for, quote, insane romance, numerous sex sequences, the use of violence during sex, unquote, and for being, quote, Entirely related to sexual matters that are too extreme for Khmer society. Unquote. So yeah, Cambodia was just like, too much fucking. We can't have this. I thought it was 
insane romance. I really like that. Like, these people are fucked up. You can't just show this. <laughs> and here's the problem with it. And that's basically Indonesia, Kenya, Malaysia, United Arab Emirates, uh, Zimbabwe. They all basically said it's because of the sex scenes. Because there's it's inappropriate. And it's not just the sex scenes. Let's get this wrong. Those are tastefully shot. They're happy together, blah, blah, blah. It's this relationship, and it shows that this relationship is healthy. Or that it romanticizes this deeply flawed and broken fucking relationship. This is that's some fucked up shit. And the fact that the movie seems to think that it's okay. And it gives the message that this is okay. That this is how people should treat each other. And that's fucking messed up, man. So that's my message for this week. Don't fucking watch this movie. Don't read the fucking book. Don't read the audio book. If you see somebody reading the book, just shame them. Shame them really bad. I took one for you on this one, people. And that's where this episode's going to end. Thank you for listening. Stay in. Read a book. Music, Dances and Dames, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.